Right to the Red podcast, episode number 144, interview with Ray Edwards. You are listening to the Right to be Red podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hey there, it's Ani Alexander, and you're listening to the Right to be Red podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. Today, I woke up to a very nice uh, email from a listener who actually discovered the podcast the same day and decided to write me a feedback. So I really appreciate, I truly appreciate the feedback and the email. It made my day. His name was Flavio. Uh, Flavio, shout out to you. Thanks a lot for the email. As to the best part of today's morning, um, you know, that's how life is, usually striped, black and white. So uh, I just sat down to record this intro of the episode and it appeared that my microphone decided to break up with me. So I couldn't connect it to my laptop in any possible way. It refused to work. And I decided that what the hell, you know, I have to show up. Today is the day you have to get the interview on time and I'm gonna make it. So, you know, sorry for the quality. Uh, the interview itself was recorded by the microphone. So it's gonna be okay. So let's go ahead and talk about today's interview because it's really a good one and it's not about actually you know bragging or anything but uh, it's a good one because my guest was a really good one so I spoke with Ray Edwards and for those of you who don't know who Ray Edwards is he's a communication strategist copywriter author speaker and host of one of the top iTunes business podcasts he has worked with fortune 500 companies and with some of the most powerful voices in leadership and business his clients include New York Times best-selling authors Michael Hyatt, Tony Robbins, and many more. Ray's copy and marketing expertise has helped sell an estimated of 200 million or more in products and services. So today we will be talking about his new book, which launched just today. It's called How to Write a Copy That Sells. And uh, in this interview, he covers the most important points from the book. And uh, I do recommend getting the book, especially now, because he's giving away a physical copy for free until March 1st. So you can get it at anialexander.com backward slash copy. And uh, let's get to the interview with a better sound quality and I'll just give the floor to Ray. Hello Ray, I'm very happy to have you over to the Right to Be Red podcast. Uh, welcome to the show and thanks for coming. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. I've been seeing your name over and over again, to be honest, because we're basically, I mean, in, in the same niche in, in the sense that we, we kind of, we work with writers, we, uh, I, I follow new book launches and stuff like that. So I've, I've been seeing your name periodically. I think the first time I heard about you was when you were launching your copywriting course. Uh, how was it called? It's called uh, the Copywriting Academy. 
the Copywriting Academy, exactly. So uh, that's, you know, when I was introduced to you. So I watched a few videos um, and I knew about the course. And later on, I kind of, you know, heard um, that you wrote a new book about copywriting and it's going to launch soon. So as you know, every time when someone launches a book, uh, they always like doing podcast interviews. So we decided to do so today. That's a funny thing. I do. I'm very much more open to doing podcast interviews when I have a book about to launch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, let's just uh, briefly talk about um, how did you come up with the book idea? And the book is called How to Write Copy That Sells, Step-by-Step System for More Sales to More Customers More Often. So um, was it something, how did you come up with the idea? Was it something you wanted to share or was it something you have been asked about over and over again and that's how you came up uh, with the idea of writing the book? Well, it's both actually. I wrote a book about writing copy back in 2010 and a lot of things have changed since 2010 with how we sell on the web and also just I've gotten better at writing copy and better at teaching copy. And so I had a lot of questions from people who would say to me, hey, I read your previous, your book, which was called Writing Riches, and you said the following things, and are they still true? And I realized that many of them were different now. So I wanted to write something to answer those questions, and I also wanted to write a copywriting book that I felt was a little more timeless, a little more evergreen, that would stand the test of time if technologies, you know, they come and go, search engines come and go. And I wanted to write something that had more uh, durability and wasn't so much tied to specific technology, search engines, and those kinds of things. Okay, I, I, I see and I can understand what you mean exactly because I've read the book myself a few days ago. So I know what you mean. Uh, but uh, how did you end up being in copywriting at the first place? I mean, it's not something usually we learn, right, in the university or when we are choosing a profession. So what, what exactly happened? Well, I got into the radio broadcasting business when I was 14 years old. I was a disc jockey and I spent 30 years in that business, a little over 30 years actually. I became an executive and uh, managed a group of stations and ended up as a vice president of a radio company. And during that time, I worked with lots of advertisers and I did lots of campaigns and promotions. And I just learned that there was the real crying need for good direct response promotion and copy in the world of business and then something interesting happened in the early, late 1990s and the early 2000s. The internet began to encroach upon the radio business uh, because it, before that, you know, you had to listen to the radio to hear new music and you had to put up with commercials and you had to put up with DJs. And then the internet and the iPod came along and suddenly you could have a radio station in your pocket with no commercials and no DJs. Mm -hmm. And so I realized I'm going to have to get out of this business because this business is on its way out. And I saw pretty quickly that my skills at marketing and promotion and writing copy would transfer to the internet extremely well. And I was extraordinarily lucky, I think, and blessed uh, to meet the right people at the right time. And so I ended up working for some pretty well-known people, people like uh, Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, the, the guys who created this Chicken Soup for the Soul mm -hmm. Enterprise. And um, they recommended me to their friends and it kind of took on a life of its own. And I've had a, a fantastic ride. I've enjoyed working with a lot of really successful business people, a lot of whom nobody's ever heard of, but that doesn't mean they're less successful. It just means they're not as well known. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think uh, basically you're, you also kind of, you know, you found out on time what needs to be done with the change because very often people are kind of waiting until the change becomes too obvious and many people before them have been figured <laughs> have figured out the things already. So you, you kind of, you know, you started at the right time, I guess. I think that's true. Um, you know, I had an interest in copy long before I even knew what it was. I remember when I was a young child, I used to read these newspapers at my grandparents' house and they were the Weekly World News and um, the, uh, the National Enquirer. And those are tabloids here in the U.S. and they're very sensationalist. And they had lots of direct response advertising in them, although as a child, I didn't know they were ads. I thought they were articles. Oh. And I found, them, I found them fascinating. And I only found out later that they were all basically written by the same great copywriter, a guy named Eugene Schwartz. And so I've since gone back and read those ads again from the perspective of knowing that they're advertisements, that they're copy. And I'm really astounded at what Schwartz was able to accomplish before there was an internet, before you could order books online with a credit card. He was actually selling books for 10 times their retail value through the mail. That's pretty amazing if you think wow. about it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, interesting. Okay, so so basically, even then, um, the copywriting technique, which is linked to story, was it like a storytelling type of copy, copy that you were reading in the newspapers? Yes, it was a mixture of storytelling and techniques that in invoked the power of curiosity that made you think, well, I need to read more because I need to know the secrets that he's talking about. Okay, yeah, I see. Well, I mean, since we cover, uh, we mentioned storytelling, I want to actually um, find out because I'm really curious about this. Uh, many people think that if you are a writer, then you can write a good copy, which obviously is not true. You can tell a story, but it may not be exactly a good copy in terms of uh, it accomplishing your goals. So uh, what is the difference between uh, just, you know, being a writer and specifically having this, you know, uh, new mindset and new style of actually writing a copy? Well, you know, it's a great question because if you are a nonfiction writer, for instance, and you write business books, let's say, there's a basic underlying structure that most business books have. They possess a certain form and format and sequence of how you put things together in the book. And in fiction, the, we know that stories have structure. There's a, there's a whole book written about this idea called story. There's many books written about it, how you structure stories, what the classic story forms are. And we know that to tell a great story, it's probably going to possess those common elements that most great stories possess. And so the same is true for copywriting, which copywriting is simply writing that persuades people to buy into an idea or a product or a service or a belief. You're just getting, you're, you're writing to persuade people that they can or should do something. And there is a format, an underlying structure that's beneath all persuasive copy. And once you learn the structure of great copy, just like when you learn the structure of great stories, the writing becomes much easier. If you don't know the structure, you are basically fumbling around in the dark, hoping that you're going to hit the mark with your copy. And quite often, that's not what happens. Yeah, I mean, mostly it doesn't work. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, if, if you don't know how to do it, it just doesn't work. So um, 
I don't know. I mean, what is your opinion on this? Um, should a writer or, you know, a person who has, I don't know, an online service or product he's trying to make a sales page for, let's say, uh, should he aim to learn those techniques and write his own copy? Or it's better if he can afford it, he hires a professional copywriter? Well, I think it's better, especially if you're a writer, I think it's better to learn to write your own copy because nobody is going to sell your writing with the passion and the care and the intimate knowledge of the writing. Nobody's going to do that better than you. And so if you can, especially if you're a writer, then you already know you can write. You just need to learn a new structure for writing that's for this specific purpose. And for writers, that should be the easiest thing in the world once they're aware that there is a structure. Okay, I see. Well, do you think, uh, I don't know, I mean, I have this perception, but maybe that's not true. Do you think that it's easier for nonfiction writers to kind of transfer into copywriting and learn the thing rather than for creative writers? Or there's no difference? Well, I, I think it is a little more difficult for um, fiction writers to make the transfer, but I think it's a mental block. It's not a, it's a, not a matter of skill. I think a good writer is a good writer, no matter what they're writing. And I think that all writers are creative. I, I just think that we get preconceptions in our mind about what it means to be a nonfiction writer and what it means to be a fiction writer. And we tell ourselves a story. For instance, fiction writers often tell themselves the story, I am an artist and I should be totally removed from the commerce part of what I do. I don't want to be bothered with marketing. Somebody else should do that for me. True, and true. <laughs> I think that what happens if you have that attitude is you probably don't ever sell very many books because ultimately it's up to you to sell your books and it's up to you to market your books. I mean, even the most successful of writers, people for whom they can just publish through a traditional publisher and their audience will buy their books, they don't step away. The successful ones who are successful over a long period of time don't step away from the marketing process. They step into it. So, Uh, as a as an example, James Patterson is very involved in the marketing of his books, and that's because he understands the importance of marketing and the process to sell books. So I think if you're a fiction writer, I would encourage you, just don't tell yourself the story that it's more difficult to write sales copy because it isn't. You just need to learn the story form, if that makes more sense for you as a fiction writer. And once you have that realization that, hey, I'm a writer and I can learn how to write basically anything, this becomes a lot easier for everybody. Okay. And is writing a copy like, uh, you know, do you need to spend time writing it over and over again to kind of develop that craft? Is it like writing uh, fiction? Or it's, it's I mean, uh, how, how many copies do you have to write to end up, you know, having a good quality skill of writing a copy? Well, um, that's a, that's a, it's another good question. And it's a lot like asking how many novels do you have to write until you write a good one? <laughs> I don't know. It, de it depends on, on how good you are to begin with. How much of a knack do you have for it? Um, how easily do you catch on to new concepts? How, how much attention do you pay to critiques that you may receive from peers? How diligent are you in your rewrites? And also, How much do you read? You know, Stephen King in his book on writing says mm -hmm. that you need two things to be a writer. You need to read a lot and you need to write a lot. And it's the same for writing copy. I think you need to read a lot of copy if you want to get really good at it. And you need to write a lot of copy if you want to get really good at it. And so the more you write, the better you get. And the more you rewrite, the better your copy gets up to a point. It's, which is true of 
of a novel, of fiction as well. You know, you, you rewrite and you do revisions and they pay off. They make your work better until you get to a certain point and then you're just wearing down the work all over again. I don't if if you mm. follow what I'm saying. Yeah. You you get to, to a point of diminishing returns. In fact, you get to a point where you're making it worse rather than better. So just like any kind of writing, I think you have to be internally be able to judge that for yourself. Usually for me, it comes about the point where I think I'm sick of writing this. I don't want to look at it anymore. Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. So how important are the personal stories in your copy? Well, I think they're the most powerful part of your copy because we relate most easily and most powerfully to personal stories. If I tell you it was the worst summer of my life, it was the summer that for the first time in my life, I lost someone very close to me, they died. You're instantly kind of drawn into, well, who's he talking about? What, when was this summer of his life? Was it when he was young? Was it recently? Was it a close family member? Was it a lover who died? And so I just made that up, by mm. the way. It's not, it's not, <laughs> I have lost people in my life, but that specific story that I was just telling is not exactly accurate. But the point is, we are drawn into stories. We are more affected by stories than we are by facts. People make purchasing decisions based on emotions first, and then they use the facts to rationalize their decision later. But they just did what they felt like doing to begin with, and they justified it with facts after the fact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. too, many, too many words, too many times <laughs> in the one sentence, the word fact. But, well, uh, that's because we're speaking, so you can't revise what you've written. <laughs> I know. I, I, I hate that. So um, stories are just more powerful. If you think about the most powerful teachers in history, Plato, Aristotle, um, Jesus, they all were great storytellers. They told stories that powerfully impacted the people who were listening. And so if you think about in your own life, like what are the, the most important moments in your life that really changed the things you believe, changed the way you felt about things? For many of us, those moments came in the forms of songs, of books that we read or movies that we saw. And every one of those things involves a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. So um, besides including personal stories, what makes the difference? What is the difference between a good copy and a bad one? Because I'm just wondering, I mean, if there, are, there is a way to learn, you know, the structure and like you said, you know, the way it should be written, then why not everyone is writing a good copy? Well, uh, not everybody knows that there is a structure, first of all. I think a lot of people read sales copy and they are deceived by thinking, well, this looks pretty easy to write. Anybody could write it. Any hack could write this. And that may be true, but only if the hack knows the structure. And so I think it's important, excuse me, I think it's important to know the structure of good copy. And just real quickly, I can give you the overarching, there's a six point structure that I teach that I can teach in about four minutes that will help anybody structure their copy better. We'd love that. All right. <laughs> Let's so start. <laughs> I call it the pastor formula, P-A-S-T-O-R. And many people, when they see that word, they think, oh, you mean a preacher, like in church. And no, that's not exactly what I mean. What I mean is the original meaning of the word, which was to shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? The shepherd cares for and protects the flock. The shepherd protects the flock from predators. The shepherd takes the flock where there's food, where there's water, makes sure they're cared for. And in our own stories of our history, we know that the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. So if you think of yourself when you're selling as a shepherd instead of a, as a salesperson, those are two very different mind spaces that you're coming from. If I come from the space of a salesperson, I'm interested in talking you into spending money so I can get some of it. Mm 
if I'm coming from the place of a shepherd, I'm taking care of you and making sure you make a good decision that's right for you. And when you come from that place, you don't feel salesy. You don't feel pushy or hypey. And I think that's very important that you come from the right place in your heart when you're trying to sell to people. You're shepherding them to a good decision. And so that's the overall reason I chose the word pastor. What do the letters stand for? They stand for the different sections of your copy. You start with P, which stands for the person, the problem, and the pain. So we're thinking about the person that we're writing to. Who are they? What's their life like? What is the problem that they face specifically that you're writing about, that your product or service or that your book answers for them? And what is the pain they experience as a result of that problem? And Jay Abraham has famously said that if you can describe the pain of your prospect adequately enough, they will automatically assume that you must have the answer because you know the pain so well. So the next phase of the pastor formula or the next section of your copy is the A, which stands for amplify. And this is the part where we amplify the consequences of not solving the problem. So you might have written a nonfiction book about how to lose weight or how to be better off financially or how to have better relationships. In the amplification section of your copy about your book, you would be writing about, well, what's the consequence of not getting in good physical condition? What's the consequence of, consequence of not paying attention to your relationship? In other words, what will it cost you to not solve this problem? What's the end result? Because we love to deny the future. We love to deny the fact that if we smoke cigarettes, we're probably going to compromise our health at some point. We love to deny the fact that eating ice cream and cookies and cake and donuts all the time and pizza and drinking soda has a, a negative effect on our health because we don't feel it right now. So we like to pretend that it won't have an effect in the future. We're creatures of denial. So the A section is about amplifying the truth about what will happen if you don't solve the problem. The S stands for the story. We were just talking about stories. So this is where you tell the story of your own struggle and your own victory over the problem and the solution that you came up with. Maybe it's a system for losing weight, or maybe it's a system for communicating with your spouse or your loved one or the person whom you want to become your spouse. Whatever the answer is to the problem that you have, this is where you describe it in detail. And then the T stands for testimony. This is where you have other people testify hey, I tried Ray's method for writing copy and it really works really well. I made X amount of dollars by using his copywriting techniques. Or, you know, if you think about when you watch infomercials on television, they are made up of 70% or more testimonials. Why is that? It's because we believe and we buy based on what other people tell us. Not the person who made the product, but people who've used or invested in the product or the service or the book or the system or the course or whatever it is you're selling. And they've had results. That's why the P90X commercial, for instance, is filled with testimonials of people who've lost weight and slimmed down and got six-pack abs now, and they showed the before and after pictures. It's testimony. It's proof. The O of the pastor framework stands for offer. This is where you describe, here's what I have to sell you. And you might actually use those exact words. And the mistake that people make here, by the way, is they think that what they're selling is the book or the course or the DVDs or the workshop or whatever it is that you're selling, the actual vehicle that you use to deliver the change in a person's life. But what you're actually selling is the transformation that your product or service brings about. So if it's a weight loss book, it's the new healthy body that they're going to have. If it's the relationship book, it's the new healthy relationship or the new, the new husband or wife that they're going to have. If it's uh, about how to be better off financially, then it's about the debt-free life they're going to be living. Or 
if it's a work of fiction, if you're writing copy to sell your novel or your novel series, then the problem is boredom. The pain is boredom with your life. The amplification is if I don't find something to do with this boredom, I'm going to be even more bored and that hurts even more. And maybe I'll eat too much or get into substance abuse or I, I don't know what happens. We, we, we need to be entertained. We, we hate boredom almost more than anything else in this world where, where for many of us, our basic needs are already satisfied. Our need for food, shelter, clothing, and financial stability, all those needs are pretty much well satisfied. So what do we start doing? We start looking for things to actualize ourselves. And that means entertainment. That means reading books, watching movies, investing in art. So even these so-called soft topics, there is a problem that needs to be addressed, which is boredom or a lack of interest in life. There's a consequence for not solving that problem, which is more of the same and perhaps deep psychological pain because of it. And then with the solution is, well, read this series of books that I've written. They're adventurous. You'll, you'll enjoy them. You'll be transported to another world. And then, of course, we know about testimonials because most of us, when we're buying books, even if they're fiction books, we read the reviews. We read what people say about them. So those are testimonies. In, in the world of being an author, your testimonies are probably on your Amazon author page or on the page for your book. And so the offer is the transformation that reading, the, you know, what was the transformation of reading the Harry Potter stories? Well, it was being transported to this other world where it was good versus evil and we could relate to the characters and we, we identified with Harry or Hermione or any of the other characters, Ron or, you know, whomever. I don't know. Maybe we identified with Voldemort for all I know. But we loved those characters and we loved being in that world. And so that was the offer, was the transformation, being in a different space. If it's a nonfiction book, it's about the result that you're getting for people, the transformation. And then the R of pastor stands for requesting a response. And in the world of selling, if we were face-to-face, -face, this would be the part where I would say you have to ask for the sale. So if you're writing about your nonfiction book or about your course or your workshop or whatever it is, you have to ask people to buy. And you have to believe that their buying is a good idea for them. It benefits them to get their hands on this product or this solution or this service or this book that you've written. They need to have it because it will make their life better. And you will not feel conflicted about asking them to buy something that you know will help them. So that's what the P-A-S-T-O-R stands for. Person, problem, pain is P. A is amplify. S is the solution and the story of struggle and the system that you come up with to solve the problem. T is for testimony. O is for the offer. And R is for a request or response. And that's the big overarching framework that you can use to write any piece of persuasive copy, whether it's to sell a book or even just to sell an idea or a point of view. Okay. Yeah, I see. Well, basically, um, do you think that everyone who, I mean, we have loads of listeners right now who basically already know the structure because you covered it so, like, you know, so well and so in a comprehensive way. So I guess, you know, it, it's pretty simple to, to actually understand how it works. But do you think that everyone can kind of actually do it well once they know the structure? Well, I think it's, yes, I think everyone can do it. Um, It's sort of like learning to play the piano. I think basically anybody can learn to play the piano, but can can anyone become a concert pianist? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Is everyone going to become a prodigy and and write and play music uh, in the famous music halls of the world? Again, probably not. So I think any writer or any person, even if you don't consider yourself to be a writer, can become competent at writing their own sales copy. And if you're a writer, especially, I think you can become better than competent if you learn the structure. And I've just given you the five, the, the six rather big overarching pieces. In the book, um, if you look in chapter, I believe it is chapter two, 
Then I go over the deep structure, the fifth, what I call the 15 building blocks of a sales letter, the entire message that you write. There are 15 discrete pieces that go into filling out that six-point structure I just told you about. So there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's more nuance to this. You can use the pastor framework to start writing better, more persuasive copy right now. But if you want to learn more, then that's one of the reasons I wrote the book was to try to distill my knowledge about how I do this so successfully for my clients. And you can use the same process to write successful persuasive copy for yourself. Okay, I see. Well, in the very beginning, I mentioned that I read the book and there is a part there that I would like you to cover briefly because it's very important. I'm getting loads of kind of, you know, feedback from writers uh, about, as you mentioned, kind of, you know, dealing with marketing, selling their own stuff and things like that. So you have written a separate part about how to sell without being salesy. And I think that's like a really important thing. And it's something that many of the listeners will be interested at because that's one of their fears while writing copy. Well, yes. And I think that, um, you know, one of the reasons that we fear this process is we don't understand the idea of being a shepherd of our buyers, of our readers. We don't understand that we are first interested in what benefits them. We want them to make a good decision, whether the decision is to buy our book or our product or not. Maybe the right decision for them is to not buy it. And if that's the case, I don't want them to buy from me because I I don't want to take somebody's money for something they don't need or that won't benefit them. And so uh, coming from that space of being a shepherd is probably the biggest transformation you can make in yourself to feel differently about selling. Um, You know, Zig Ziglar, who's a world famous teacher of the art of selling, and he's since passed away, but he often said selling is essentially a transfer of feelings. So you have to have a feeling about what you're selling, whether it's a book or a course or some other product or service. And if you don't have feelings about it, you're not going to be able to sell it very well. And we instinctively know this. We, we say things like, well, I love Mac computers so much I could sell these for a living. Why do we say that? It's because we love them. We have a feeling about it. We can transfer that enthusiasm to somebody else. And the key thing to remember is you can't transfer something that you don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, the belief in your product or service, whatever you are selling, is very important and crucial because otherwise, it, yeah. Absolutely. Because think of it this way. If you have a product or a service that you're offering that benefits people, that changes their life in a positive way, if you don't do everything in your power to get that product or service or book into other people's hands, you are depriving them of the very gift you were brought into the world to share. Yeah. Okay. I see. So let's say uh, someone went through the thing, um, learned the details, um, wrote and rewrote his copy, ended up with something he's satisfied with. Who do you think are the best people to get feedback from to see if it's good or not? Well, I think ultimately the people you get feedback from are your readers, your audience. And the ultimate test is not to ask somebody, do you like this copy? The ultimate test is when people read it, do they buy? Because that's how we really vote. We vote with our credit cards or our debit cards. Uh, we vote with our wallet, with our money. And so that's the ultimate test. Now, before you put it in front of those people to have them buy, who do you get feedback for from before that time? Well, probably the best people to get feedback from are other experienced copywriters. And you can't 
rely on your loved ones, your significant other, your mother, your cousin, your brother, or your coworkers to tell you whether it's good marketing copy or not, because they're invariably going to be wrong. The copy that's best is the very copy they're not going to like. They're going to say, well, this seems pushy or this seems salesy or this doesn't seem like you or this is embarrassing. Um, and the fact is that it only feels that way to them because they don't understand how copy works. So the real test is to have other copywriters who know what they're doing take a look at it and give you feedback. But ultimately, you've got to put it in front of people and let them vote with their wallet. Okay, I see. Well, um, okay, so basically, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of conclude and, and, and put together in, in one sentence what we covered. So basically, I mean, the way to go with this is, uh, first of all, make sure that you believe in what you're selling before yes. even starting writing the copy. Second, going through the uh, structure, reading the book and getting all the details, writing a draft copy, then rewriting it several times to make sure that it's, um, you know, you are satisfied with that. Uh, definitely include personal stories in it um, and make sure that um, it's basically it evokes the emotions for the customers to buy. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I would add to that, you know, if, if you get your hands on the book, um, I, and a lot of this information is available on my website. If you just go to rayedwards.com, you can get some of this in the free articles that I have there. But the book, you know, I really designed the book to be a, a, a quick and easy read. And there's a checklist at the end of every chapter that you can use to kind of double check your copy and make sure you've included all the essential pieces that go into successful, powerful, persuasive copy. So I made it to be used that way. I mean, the truth of the matter is a lot of people are going to use the book like this. They're not going to read it. They're going to go to the end of every chapter, maybe <laughs> even tear out the page that has the checklist and use the checklists to write their copy. And I think you should read the whole thing because I spent a lot of time writing it. But if you wanted to just use a checklist, that would be a good way to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely uh, the book is very practical, straight to the point and um, very helpful if you are writing a copy. So I've heard from many, many different people that they are very bad at writing copy. And I'm one of those people who are saying that, actually. But I realized that, um, you know, you can't say that until you go through the whole process and you try to write one by yourself so that's what i'm going to do actually because uh, now since i've read it i have to put it in practice <laughs> <laughs> that's the funny thing about learning stuff you you then have to go do it yeah exactly because i mean uh, once it's in the air it doesn't mean anything you have to put it out there and and see what happens yes well thank you very much for your time for coming over i think that we got loads of useful information already in this episode but um, if they want to dive deeper and and learn how to write good copy then they should get your book yes i agree it's called how to write copy that sells and it really is the best distillation of the whole process that I use to write copy. And I did my best to put it in a format that other people could take, even if you have no experience, read the book, do the instructed exercises, and come away with powerful, persuasive copy that will sell more of your products, your services, or your books. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. And uh, I guess that's it. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Well, I guess that was it. As I already mentioned, I've read the book. I'm going to try and use the 
structure mentioned in the book and the checklist to come up with my new copy and my new email texts and I hope it will work but if it doesn't you let me know because you're getting my emails right so otherwise uh, I do recommend you to get the book it's free until March 1st you can get a physical copy from Ray at annealexander.com backward slash copy so go ahead grab your book until it's available and i'll meet you in the next episode take care keep writing and let's create amazing pieces of work that will inspire and encourage others